I was praying about what to speak on, and there were a few things on my heart, and I came to really sensing that God wanted me to speak on where is God in my disappointment. So that's what I'm going to be sharing on this morning. I think sometimes in the church, right, we can gloss over things and everything's all good, but life is hard. Life is not easy, and so I'm really excited to talk about this this morning because this is something that I've been journeying through with God. This has been something that I've been walking out. I've had some really big disappointments in the last few years, and it's been stuff that I've been just really going to God about. So today I'm going to share with you some scriptures. I'm going to share with you some of my stories, some of the things that God's taught me, and I want to see God bring hope into your guys' disappointment too. When things don't go as we hope for, when the thing that we prayed for so hard didn't happen, when God didn't seem to come the way that you wanted him to, when everything falls apart, do we still know that he's good? This is a big thing. And I love the worship this morning that just kept coming back to your good. I'm going to declare, you know, even before the breakthrough. This is the key. Is God good? It is something that the enemy constantly wants to dismantle in our heart of hearts. He wants us to question that. He'll whisper things like, if he was really good, why did that happen? If he was really good, why are you so alone? If he is really good, why are you stuck? Why are you still in pain? Et cetera, et cetera, right? And the first thing that I've learned with disappointment is that I have to deal with the doubt. Because the doubt, it's like a seed. And if we don't deal with the seed, eventually it'll grow. So one of the hugest things that has changed my life, if hugest is even a word, is that, good, it is, is that we have to cling, 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 cling to the truth. The truth is everything. Getting God's truth inside of us so that when the power of these lies come into our mind, they are broken by the power of truth of God's truth. (sighs) We don't want to just hold it in either. Something that has been really big for me is to let it out and wrestle with it. God's not afraid of us wrestling with it. You know, I go on my prayer walks like a crazy woman and I'm la, 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 and you know, and and just wrestling with it with the Lord. One thing I love about David and the Psalms, I, I like go back to the Psalms constantly. That's like my favorite place, is I love the wrestle. I love because... For me, it's something that I can so relate to. And he always brings it back to praise. In Psalm 13, 1 through 3, it says this. I'm hurting, Lord. Will you forget me forever? How much longer, Lord, will you look the other way when I'm in need? How much longer must I cling to this constant grief? I've endured the shaking of my soul. So how much longer will my enemy have the upper hand? It's been long enough. Take a good look at me, God, and answer me. Breathe your life into my spirit. Bring your light and you bring your light to my eyes in this pitch black darkness or I will sleep the sleep of death. And he goes on to praise God. In the footnotes it says this, that some believe that shortly after this David was being anointed the king of Israel. David knew that this was his destiny, but he struggled with persecution and the challenges that came with his exaltation. In the wilderness, David trusts and prays his way out. I love that. 
It's a psalm that describes the journey of self to God, from despair to delight, from feeling abandoned to feeling affirmed. It begins with pain, but it ends with praise, and moaning gives way to music. We can take comfort in what David experienced. I want to share with you a story of a friend of mine that I got to know at School of Ministry. So about 12 years or so ago, I remember going to a conference and um, Heidi Baker was speaking, and I remember seeing this guy come in with his wife in a wheelchair, and I was just watching him, and she was very, very thin and frail, and she was bald, and I was pretty sure she had very, very uh, strong cancer, and I began to watch him, and I ended up talking to him, and I prayed for her, and he was bringing her to everyone, and Heidi prayed for her, and all of these people prayed, and I said, oh God, please heal this girl, and he was probably early 20s, and so my heart was crying out for this girl, and then fast forward about two years later, it was the first day of school at School of Ministry, and in walked this guy, and I'm like, I've I swear I recognize this guy. He's so familiar from somewhere. So I went to my school ministry leader, and I said, who's that guy? And she said, oh, he's a recent widower, and he's come here really broken, and we just want to see God heal him. And so I began to kind of watch this guy, and one day I was standing near my my leader in worship, and he came up to her, and he said, can I go to God and say F you? And I was like, whoa. And he's like, because I'm really, really angry. And she said, you know what? You go and you tell God what you need to say and you get it out. And I saw him just go to a corner and start weeping and screaming and letting it out. And I began to see God heal up his brokenness. And he was just like, why? You know, he said he came and he told me just after we got married, she was diagnosed with cancer. You know, and her dream was to start an orphanage in Africa with kids. And so when she died, he created a charity in her name where they help orphans in Africa. And he was just so hurting. And I just began to see God crash in to his disappointment and his brokenness. And fast forward, he ends up becoming a leader with Adam and I and a friend. And I just begin to see him then take all this pain and pour into others and and see God heal it. And he is giving hope and sowing hope left, right, and center. And he has this whole group of guys that he's small group leading, and he's leading a team. And God just did so much through him. And to this day, now he's remarried, he has kids. He's a, a high school teacher of young guys and girls, and he's a hockey coach, and God is using him. And I'm just so amazed to see a guy completely bitter You know, he took her to Bill Johnson, he took her to Bethel, he took her all these places just for all the biggest guys to pray for her, and nothing happened. But God crashed in in his brokenness. Psalms 9, 9 through 10 says this, All who are oppressed may come to you as a shelter in a time of trouble. You are a perfect hiding place. May everyone who knows your mercy keep putting their trust in you, for they can count on you for help no matter what. O Lord, you will never, no, never neglect those who come to you. And as I was thinking on this message on on disappointment, the word that kept coming back to me was cling, cling, cling. You know, usually I think of cling of either either like saran wrap or I think of like lint. And you're like trying, oh, it's everywhere. It's clinging to me, right? But I, I went and looked in the dictionary and I loved it. It said, to stick to, to hold on to something or someone so tightly to refuse to stop holding him or her. 
I love that. And I began to see there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about clinging to God's promises, clinging to God in, in times of need and all of these things. I love that. Psalm 63, 8 says, with passion I pursue and I cling to you because I feel your grip on my life and I feel your soul close to my heart. Psalm 119.31 says, Lord, don't allow me to make a mess of my life for I cling to your commands and I follow them as closely as I can. Acts 11.23 says, when God got there and witnessed, when he got there and witnessed for himself God's marvelous grace, he was enthused and overjoyed and he encouraged all the believers to remain faithful and cling to the Lord with everything in their passionate hearts. In the last few years, I've had some pretty big disappointments. I remember someone very close to me was pregnant at the same time as me. <laughs> More ministry music. I'm feeling it. Um, and she, she was like, we're going to have play dates together. And she had gone through IVF and taking years to get pregnant. And so we're pregnant together. And then she, I get a message, you know, I think the, the baby's uh, heart has stopped. We need to all start praying. And I was praying and praying and freaking out. And, oh, God. And, and I get the call that the baby was born, stillborn, right, right after Brighton. And I was so broken. Um, and, I, and I cried out to God. You know, I had so much faith that this baby, I was going to get the news that the baby was all right. And this journey I'd walked with her, I'd prayed with her for years to get pregnant. You know, and, and it was just so painful. And I was just like, God, I don't understand. And I hashed that out with God. And I let it out. And I had my prayer walks. And God was just speaking to me. And I said, even when I don't understand, I trust you, God. And at the same time, then my neighbor's baby died. And there was about three babies that died in this all at the same time. And, and I started getting nightmares all the time because when Brighton came out, he wasn't breathing. And they, it took a little while to resuscitate him and we thought he wasn't going to breathe. And I just remember thinking, why is my baby alive in theirs? And I'm so thankful that my baby's alive, but I was just broken for their babies. And it... Be, it started this at first, this fear in me to pray for people's babies because I was like kind of scared. And so another couple was like, Amy, they said our baby might be stillborn. There's all these things wrong with our baby. And I'm like, oh God. And I'm like praying and praying and praying. And I get a call and they're like, she had her baby in two hours. He's perfectly fine, completely healthy. And I was just like actually shocked in the moment. And then I got, and I was like, oh, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God, because we don't want to stay in our disappointments. We want to be people of faith and pray and pray and believe for the miracles. <sighs> we want to be a people of faith for amazing things. Something that's always stuck with me was a story that I heard about two men who were highly educated, and both of their wives got cancer. And so the first wife she dies of cancer. And the second guy's wife, she gets healed. So the one guy writes a theology that God doesn't heal today because his wife died of cancer and they had prayed. And the other man who had prayed and seen his wife get healed from cancer wrote another book on theology said, God heals. And what I've realized is that we can't base our theology on our experience. Right? If God doesn't heal, that doesn't mean he's not the healer. If we don't see something, that doesn't mean he isn't working and he isn't moving and he isn't there. We get our theology from the word of God and knowing him. 
And just before Chris, Christmas, I know many of you know this, but um, one of the Bethel worship leaders, little girl, she died. And um, she stopped breathing in her sleep and no one knows why. And the whole church came together and they were crying out for her resurrection and worshiping every night and going for it. And I was going to sleep every morning praying, oh God, oh God, I just pray that Olive would be raised from the dead. And I literally thought she was going to be raised from the dead. I was so sure of it. And every morning I would go on Instagram and they're like, she didn't wake up, but we're going to pray for today that today is going to be the day that Olive wakes up. And I remember feeling so disappointed And I remember Bethel got a lot of flack for doing that at all. And this is something that they came out and said, and I love it. They said, we still believe that God is a God of resurrection. We weren't worshiping him only for one possible outcome. We were worshiping him because he is worthy of it all, no matter the outcome. I want to say that again because it's so good. We still believe that God is the God of resurrection. We weren't worshiping him only for one possible outcome. We were worshiping him because he is worthy of it all, no matter the outcome. And I was like, that's it right there. That's it. They have now this desire, they said, that it's actually awakened them to go after these things, even though Olive wasn't raised. We're going to keep going after this. We're not going to let this stop us. We're going to keep being a people of faith. You know, it's so good because there's been times where it's like, okay, I prayed for this person, I prayed for this person, they didn't get healed, but the third person does. But what about the person who's like, I prayed for them and then they didn't get healed, so I'm not going to pray again, right? And so I just want to be a person that's just keep on. I'm having faith. I'm going for it. I'm going after that. And one thing I love about uh, the Old Testament is that the Israelites set up altars of remembrance, And they would go back to these places and they would remember what God had did. We need to remind ourselves of what God has done when our situations are hard. I remember this Christmas feeling like I kind of glazed it over as that was a crazy hard time. And I was kind of disappointed because for Christmas I I had my brothers up and my my nephews and my sister-in-laws and I thought, I had this expectation of like, it's going to be like all just bonding and like heart-to-heart conversations and like we're going to have so much fun and all of this. And then we all get together and it's a lot of like, my sisters are eight months pregnant and tired and I am cooking and cleaning and there's 10 children and I love them all, but it was a little cray-cray. And I kind of ended Christmas with like, I am utterly exhausted. Let's get rid of everything that is Christmas in our house so I can just forget it. And I was kind of like, everyone would ask me about Christmas, and I was like, it was rough. It was really rough. I'm still recovering, you know? And then God said to me, but Amy, there was so much good. There were so much good things that happened. He reminded me of this the other day. He was like, you got to go sledding. We sled that hill there. It was so much fun. And he's like, you got to tickle your nephews, nephews who you never see and make them giggle. You know, I, I made my little nephew cackle like a little, I don't know, banshee or something. He's hilarious. <laughs> I've like kept tickling him. And, you know, I got to jump off a 10-meter diving board, and I haven't done that since I was a teenager. And all of these things, and God was like, focus on the good. Just because it didn't meet your expectations doesn't mean it wasn't good. I was like, ooh, yep, you're right, Lord. I'm going to stop complaining. Sorry. <laughs> something that I've learned, right, is that things rarely go as we expected. 
And uh, something that I was thinking on this message that God spoke to me about was that a lot of people didn't recognize the Messiah because he didn't come like they thought he would. They expected a Messiah that would come and probably free them on the outward, right? He's going to come in, he's going to slay all the Romans or get rid of them. We're going to have dominance back. Jerusalem's going to be completely ours and we're going to be set free, right? And so even, you know, his own people were like, you know, are you it, right? And because they didn't know and they were looking for something else. They didn't recognize a baby born in a barn. As a woman who's given birth four times, there is no way, hard pass, that I will have birth in a barn. He was born into a scandal. A king tried to annihilate him. He was a carpenter till he was 30 and unnoticed by many. He was known as a man of many sorrows. He suffered for us. He wasn't about saving us as much from the outward as he was saving us from the inward. And I think about that, like I started to just like think about this for a while and I was like, like, whoa, like they didn't even fully get it. But like today, years and years later, you set up a kingdom that's eternal, a reconciliation to the father that we are benefiting from today. You know, he, if he would have come like they thought and saved them from the Romans, who's to say like 10 generations down the line, they are in captivity again. They're stuck again. But no, he went and he defeated death so that we could be free and it could go on his kingdom forever. I'm just like, come on. And the disciples were willingly ready to give their lives for that. So when we're disappointed, when things don't look like we think they should, God is moving. That's what I know that I know that I know. His ways are better. Even when we don't understand, he is good. He took the humble road. The God of the universe took the humble road. I love that. It wasn't a temporary kingdom. It was an eternal kingdom. I just think about that. I'm just amazed. Because... Our struggles in this life are temporary, but our time with the Lord in heaven is eternal. That's something sometimes I'm in my like struggles and like, oh heaven, oh heaven, I, I long for you. Psalm 103, 14 through 16 says, for he knows we are but like dust and that our days are few and brief like, like grass, like flowers. Romans 8.18 says, I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of the glory that God is, that is about to be unveiled within us. So when lies come between you, you speak God's truth. This suffering is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in me because I will stand firm on you. I remember saying a while to God, you know, God, you healed everyone that came to you. You, you, everyone and all of this, and I'm not seeing that, and I want to see that. I want to see more. I don't want to feel powerless. I want to pray for all these people and just see it radically changed. I want to pray for mom's knee and see it healed. I want to see Adam's knee healed. I want to see all of this. And God said, you know, my dad died somewhere in that timeline, and I didn't get to raise him from the dead. And he reminded me of John the Baptist, how John the Baptist died and he wasn't able 
to be there. It says in Matthew 11, 1 through 6, after Jesus finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he went on to minister in different villages throughout the region. Now, while John the baptizer was in prison, he heard about what Christ was doing among the people. So he sent his disciples to ask this question, are you really the one who was prophesied would come or should we wait for another? Jesus answered them this, give John this report, the blind see again, the cripple walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised back to life and the poor and broken now hear the hope of salvation. Tell John that the blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose their faith in me no matter what happens. Hmm. I want to keep going after healing. I want to keep hope alive in the midst of disappointment. I want to be a woman who says, not this time, but let's go for next time. Let's keep praying. Let's keep contending. Let's keep going after you are who you say you are. Hmm. And when, God, when there's those times where you're like, God, it hurts too much to dream. It hurts too much to go after these things. We need to let God crash in. Because he is the God of the impossible and he wants to do the impossible through us. Something that I'm always thinking about is, is the people like Justin Bieber and Michael Jordan who were told, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. They literally said that Justin Bieber's parents brought him to like, Radio station after radio station after radio station, and they're like, no, no, no. Like, that's a lot of rejection for a kid. But they just knew that this kid's got it. We're going to keep going. And, you know, and, and, you know, Michael Jordan didn't make his basketball team in high school, you know, but he kept not giving up. And there's something to be said for perseverance, right? It's just like, okay, I'm disappointed. Okay, this is really, really hard, but I'm going to keep going after this and going after this because you said it, and I'm going to walk in this. And that's what I want to be. In the midst of my disappointments where there were things where I didn't see him break through like I wanted him to break through. When I saw these things happen, I'm going to keep saying you are good. I'm going to keep trusting you ruthlessly, and I'm going to keep saying you can do it. You will do it, and I'm going to be a part of it because I'm going to keep going after it. We don't want to let our disappointments define us, rule us, or keep us that way. Number one, we need to go to God with it. Number two, we need to get rid of doubt with his truth. Number three, we need to ask him questions, but also be okay when we don't understand or get the answers. And number four for me, and it's so key, is worship, worship, worship. You know, I get it all the time, like, Amy, you're so passionate in worship. And I'm just like, because it's everything I feel in worship. I just go to that place and I'm just like, I want you, Jesus. You're everything. I'm not standing here singing songs. This is my life. I'm going to praise him. There are Sundays where I've come where, you know, I thought I had lost my baby. There are Sundays where I had thrown up all night and I'm here because I love to worship. I love to worship with you. I want to be a church that we're worshipers. We're just worshipers. Something that I love is that when you don't feel it and you worship anyway, your mind doesn't want to worship, but your spirit worships and your spirit begins to bring your mind into alignment. There's something about that. There have been times where I'm like broken and here I am, just put something on in my house and I'm just like, ah, ah. And then all of a sudden something grows 
And I, because I'm declaring these words, right? It's declaration. You're declaring these things, right? When, when Olive died and they had, sang, they had sung Waymaker over her over and over again. And after that, they kept singing it. After her memorial, they sang it at her memorial and they're like, we're not giving up. He is still the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. My God, that is who you are. So I went and I was in my house and I just put that song on and I'm like pacing in my living room. You are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, the light in the darkness. And I'm like, I am aligning myself with, I am so disappointed about Olive, but this is who you are and I believe it. And I'm sure most of us have heard this many times, but Paul and Silas, you know, we can gloss over Bible stories, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, they were in prison and like then it got shaken up and they were free because they worshiped. I'm like, these guys were beaten, like probably in cold concrete. They're like manacles, probably hard, like steel around their wrists, digging into their flesh. They're in pain, but they knew their God and they just worshiped. And I don't think they... And I like even expected what was going to happen next, that there would be an earthquake and everyone would be set free, and, but everyone stayed where they were and they ended up being able to lead the whole jailer and his family to the Lord. God crashed in in their brokenness because they worshipped. God loves worship. Something that I love is that Bill Johnson said, I think a lot of the revivals in the past The reason that they stopped was people, not God. God wanted the revivals to go on forever. But what happened was people stopped putting themselves on the altar. People stopped saying, here's your sacrifice, have all of me. And so I'm always thinking of that when I go into worship. I'm giving it everything that I am. Here I am, have me. It's a sacrifice sometimes to worship. It's a sacrifice. I don't feel like it. I don't, I'm not even sure if I believe these words right now, but I'm just going to push in and your spirit will align. You'll bring your mind and your heart into alignment. And that's a big thing that Bill Johnson has been taught by his grandfather and his father's father. They're all like, when you don't feel it, you worship your heart out with your body and your spirit and then your mind will follow. I love that. Hmm. The song Miracle by Chris Coella that we sing sometimes, he wrote right after his baby died. And he declares in this song, the one who made the blind to see is moving here in front of me. He's moving here in front of me. The one who made the deaf to hear is silencing my every fear. He's silencing my every fear. I believe in you. I believe in you. You are the God of miracles. The one who does impossible is reaching out to make me whole. The one who put death in his place. His life is flowing through my veins. His life is flowing through my veins. I believe in you. I believe in you. You are the God of miracles. You are the God who was and is to come. You are the power of the risen one. You are the God who brings the dead to life. You're the God of miracles. You're the God of miracles. And I love that. I love that song. Every time I sing it, I know that he wrote that right after the death of his baby. And he said, God, still, this is who you are. He never leaves. He never turns his back. He is the refuge, and he is for you. Now I want to just pray. Yeah, just come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit right now and just minister to us. 
God, I just pray that this would be a year of dreaming. That we would dream again. In any of the places where disappointment has kept us stuck, has kept us doubting, even if it's doubting ourselves or who you are, God, I pray that today this would be broken. I pray that there would be seeds of hope sown today. God, I pray that this would be a year of discovering more of who you are. God, I pray that this would be a year of incredible all-out worship. That this church would know worship this year like we've never known before. Because we're putting it all in. All in. Abba, you can have all of me. Because even when I don't understand, I'm going to trust you. God, I pray that this would be a year of inhabitation like no other that you would inhabit the deep places of our beings that maybe we've shut off. That you would come and inhabit so deep. God, I pray that this would be a year where we learn to cling to you like nothing else. That we're not letting go. We're not letting go. God, I pray that you would heal our unbelief because things didn't turn out like we wanted them to and we don't understand. Would you... Heal those places of pain within us.